Um, the children are learning exactly the same passage, so you can ask them what they learn afterwards. Um, let me pray for us before we um, start. Let's pray. Everlasting God, you are the revealer of deep and hidden things, of mysteries, things of you, things of the future, things that are far too wonderful, really, for us to, to know, and yet you do reveal them. So we pray that today you would be revealing to us what it is that you are saying to us. And please would you prepare our hearts for that, so that we would go away changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, We will have another bit of a reading, um, halfway through. Um, So we thought we'd do the first half of the reading, with the kids in. And and, uh, I don't know if you read it beforehand, but, but actually... We've got to remember that the Bible is, is lots of different genres. What I mean by that is there's some of the bits that are um, meant to be somber and reflective. There are some bits that are fast and action-packed, like Mark's Gospel. There's other bits which are like just farcical and funny. And I don't know if you've got something of the, the humor of what was going on in the situation. Obviously, the king is very angry. But, but the fact that the king is saying, I want the dream and the interpretation. And they keep on coming back saying... Give us the dream. <laughs> give us the dream, and we'll give you an interpretation. And he's like, you didn't hear me right. Well, you did hear me, but you're trying to buy some more time. It's funny, isn't it? We're allowed to enjoy reading the Bible, um, and some parts of the Bible are quite funny, and that's a particular example. I, I, I certainly enjoyed reading it. Um, I want you to turn to the person next to you and ask this question. What does the future hold? Now, I'm not just talking about today or tomorrow or this week. I'm talking about future, future. What does it hold? What's in store in the future? And can we really know? So turn to the person next to you. If you're not sitting next to someone, you have to scooch up. Um, Okay, let's come back together. Um, Shout out some answers. Uh, You know the first question. There's sort of no wrong answers, as in there's lots of different opinions on this question so um, even if it's you know it's not the right answer please shout it out anyway because it's helpful what are, what are people's thoughts what does the future hold the grave thank you thanks thanks so death okay yeah we'll get to that in a moment um, future holds for you yeah 30 50 years for most of the people in this room you can pick your coffin now. Your, fa- <laughs> your favourite song, even. They will give you one favourite song. Um, but yeah, they, yeah, the grave. You can, you can decide, you can bet on, bet on that, can't you? The future. Yeah? Um, what else? Any other thoughts? And how do we know? How do we know about the future? Sorry? A routine. Sorry. Fair enough. Ah, okay. So, so Zach's saying you base it on what you've done before. We'll get to that as well. Thanks, Zach. So you've got a routine. You're just going to carry out the same routine. Um, you're going to live your life that way. Thanks. Okay, we are going to be talking about the future because there's this vision in this chapter. We didn't get to it yet. It's in the second half of the chapter. It's of the future. And it's what Daniel goes to Nebuchadnezzar to talk to him about, about his future. And we'll get to that in just a moment. So that's why we're asking this question, what does the future hold? It's a relevant question for us. It's a relevant question in this part of the Bible. 
Um, but it just, the answer to that question does depend on who you ask. So, God out of the picture, if you put God out of the picture, um, all of human existence is slowly running down the clock till our planet becomes unlivable. That's one answer to that question. The climate activists would want us to be a bit more urgent and have a sense of urgency about that. Uh, but the truth is, actually, for people sitting here, it's still a long way off, isn't it? So it doesn't feel like it's something that we need to particularly worry about. We'll be long gone. But that, what that means is we've got, in terms of our future, we've got a certain amount of time here on this earth, and then that's it. We die. We know for sure that's going to happen. I'm not saying that there is an enjoyment to be had while we wait for that to happen, but in order to really enjoy life with, without God, I'm going to need to suppress that stark reality, that, that, that thing that is coming down the track. I'm going to have to put that to the back of my mind or take some kind of drugs to help me to, to numb the, the idea that there is, a, there is a death, there is a future, and I'm heading, hurtling for it, actually. It's coming. The future is shouting at us and it's bearing down our necks every single day. And if there is no God, then there's very little point in us discussing it. What are we doing? Why are we discussing it? Let's just get on and live. Because we need to make the most of every moment, don't we? And sometimes people want to dress that view up um, a little bit and say, well, there's more to it than that, Rob. There's living a good life. Spending it well, using your life well. But in the end, it actually makes no difference, doesn't it? People who've lived well, they're hurtling to the grave. People who don't have lived horribly (laughs) and terribly are hurtling to the grave. I think it's important for me to start off like this, because that answers the question, what does the future hold? We often, as Christians, I guess some people here are Christians, we often sort of forget the, uh, the alternative to what we have in the Bible. We often forget that, actually, for the vast majority of people we know, life may be enjoyable, but it's pretty empty. It's empty because there is no future, really, to it. It's, it's going to end. It's going to come to nothing. And that's pretty meaningless and pretty hopeless, isn't it? So I thought we'd start there. Um, we are going to be looking at what the Bible has to say about this. And we're going to be looking at Daniel's own uh, sorry, Nebuchadnezzar's own uh, wrestling with worldly wisdom. What, what is life all about? Is there a God? Um, so let's look down in our Bibles. Um, look down with me at chapter 2. Um, if you look down with me... Um, Uh, verse, verse 9, uh, 2 chapter 9, 2 verse 9, sorry. If you do not make known the dream to me, there is but one sentence for you. You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before, uh, before me till the time's changed. Therefore tell me the dream and I shall know that you can show me its interpretation. What Nebuchadnezzar has discovered here is that the people who were his chief advisors that he's calling on for understanding, interpretation, are actually like frauds. They're deceiving him. That's what he says, isn't it? You have agreed to speak lying and corrupt words before me. Therefore, you've got to tell me the dream, 
And then I'll know that you have the right, the authorization, to give me the, this meaning. Because you could be saying anything you like about the meaning of that dream. Things that benefit you, to get in my back pocket, to keep me sweet. You could be doing any number of those things. And, the, and Nebuchadnezzar is coming up to this idea that worldly wisdom... Oh, it's gone off. Okay. Uh, worldly wisdom will flatter and deceive us. Worldly wisdom, what, what I mean by that is what, what, what understanding, meaning, purpose, we can sort of derive from our own experience in life. And it's sort of the stuff that we will mostly hear when we talk to one another. We'll be talking about the now, the, the bygone years, learning the lessons that I learned from this experience or that experience. You turn on the news and it's about current events, but actually it's just saying, it's just using worldly wisdom to interpret those events and to give some kind of sensible comment on those things. But this worldly wisdom, actually, it's, it's limited to people's experience, isn't it? It's always past looking. It's always backwards looking. If we haven't gone through this before, then we've got no experience, no understanding about what uh, to speak of. And that's the real uh, limitation of human wisdom. Because there's a future. And if we can't speak clearly about the future, or we don't know what the future is, then everything we say to one another will only be part of what is wisdom. It will only be a few things that are good, uh, are right and true. But it won't be the whole story. It won't be everything we need to know. So worldly wisdom will flatter and deceive us. It's distorted. It's not trustworthy. Nebuchadnezzar had worked out and that it amounts to nothing more than flattery. In fact, everything that we say to one another is influenced by the fact that we kind of want to keep each other on side, don't we? We don't really want to get up each other's noses. So that person who, who's, who needs to take a shower, we say, we just move a bit closer, further away from them. Or, you know, we don't, we, we don't like saying true things that offend and here, Nebuchadnezzar knows that that's exactly the case. These guys, if he relies on worldly wisdom, human wisdom is going to come up short because it's all to please him. It's actually just flattery. And it's a striking thought, isn't it, that a lot of the things that we could be listening to and thinking, oh, yeah, I need to listen to that. That's really important. That person said something really true could actually just be flattery could be nothing written into the fabric of all our so-called wisdom is the desire to be liked and to be listened to so how do we know it can be trusted how do we know it can be trusted um so it's distorted with people pleasing that's what we've just been looking at and it's wrong about god let's look down um at what the people what the officials say about they only say two things about god in verse 11 He's just said, you need to give me the dream. You need to tell me what I dreamed. And they said, the thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So the third thing that's not going to help us about worldly wisdom is that it gets God wrong. This is one view back in Babylon about the gods, but it's, it's pretty common of every view of that we would think of 
if we were imagining what God is like. Um, notice there's, they think there's more than one God, depending on which one you need at any given time. The enchanters say two things about God, and both are wrong. Firstly, they say that the gods can show it to the king, so they think there's more than one God. And then the second thing they say is that their dwelling is not with men. God is far off. The gods, they're not here. They're inaccessible. And I think that's usually what happens when we try to imagine what God is like. Because we want him at arm's length. Why do we want him at arm's length? Well, it's a bit like the child who wants their parent in the next room. They want them there because... They want the assurance of knowing that if they need anything or anything's too difficult for them, they can go and find them and say, help me. (laughs) But they don't want them in the room because they don't want to be stopped doing what they want to do. And it's it's, here in, in Babylon's time and today, we want God at arm's length. We want him to be distant and and not involved because that's so much more convenient for us. It allows us to do what we want. So they say two things. They say there's God's. They do say that the gods are the ones who can reveal this, but they they think there's many who could reveal this. And they say that their dwelling is not with men. They're not here. They're inaccessible. You can't can't find them. You can't get to them. And uh, so they're wrong. They're wrong about that. And Daniel will speak into this. Um, So in just a moment, we're going to have Hannah up the front, and she's going to read to us part of our next reading. Um, So we're going to do that just now, actually. If you'd like to turn your Bibles to Daniel um, and verse from verse 14. I'll just read the bit before so we know what we're up to. And Daniel replied with prudence and discretion to Arioch, the co- captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He declared to Arioch, the king's captain. Why is the decree of the king so urgent? Then Arioch made the matter known to Daniel, and Daniel went in and requested the king to appoint him a time that he might show the interpretation to the king. And Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in the vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might. And I have now made known, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said, "Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation." Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him. I have found among the exiles from Judah. Sorry, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king this interpretation. 
The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians or astrologers can show the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has made known to to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed, came thought of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be made known to the king, and that you may know the thought of your mind. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and exceeding exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay, and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken in pieces, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors and the wind. Uh, And the wind carried them away, so that not a trace of them could be found. For the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, and the might, and the glory, and into whose hand he is given, wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, making you rule over them all. You are the head of gold. Another kingdom, inferior to you, shall arise after you, and yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth, and there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things, and like iron that crushes, it it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, but some of the firmness of iron shall be in it just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. Just as you saw that stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces, the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain, and its interpretation sure. So remember the first half, the resounding thing was, show us the dream and the interpretation. That's what the king wanted, wasn't it? The only ones who would be authorised to give him the interpretation, the meaning, are the people who actually have the dream, or the the God who could reveal the dream. Um, So our second point today, from the passage, is you need to know the God of the future. 
If worldly wisdom will flatter and deceive you, you need to know the God of the future. Nebuchadnezzar needed to know him. We need to know him. And he can reveal to us what is to come. So far from being left in the dark, sort of fumbling around as to what's going to come down the track, we can know for sure what is going to happen. What he wants, he, he, he says we need to know about what is going to happen. And here, here we have Daniel um, explaining it to Nebuchadnezzar. Um, so the headline was the dream and its meaning from part one. Um, and only the God of Daniel of heaven can reveal this dream. Well, because he's the one who gave the king the dream. No, other, no one else can do that. You even hear the officials saying that. No one on earth can do this. It's impossible. But the God of Daniel, the God of heaven, he can. Um, what is the vision? Um, let's go on to the next one. Well, it's this. It's a, it's, a, it's a statue. And the statue has these five parts. A head of gold, bronze, silver, uh, sorry, sil- gold, silver, bronze, iron, and then iron and clay for his feet. And, and, and we've been told what the interpretation is. It's about uh, Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom at the top. Very impressive. And then after him will come these kingdoms that are less and less impressive. And also more weak. And in the end, there is going to be one that comes in, this, this stone that is cut from the mountain, and flies down the hill and crashes the whole thing, destroying it all. And uh, we're told what the interpretation means. Um, actually, in another inter- uh, interpretation, another translation of the Bible, when Daniel's saying this, um, he, he uses the words, after you. That's how he begins the sentence, uh, verse 39. After you, Nebuchadnezzar, after you. And that's, a, that's bursting our bubble, isn't it, to, to realise that actually, whoever we are, however important we are now, there is going to be someone who's going to come after us. We're not the be-all and end-all. We all need to hear that. Nebuchadnezzar needed to hear that. After you, Nebuchadnezzar. And after that, and after that. You're not going to live forever. The people might be saying, oh, king, live forever, but you're not going to live forever. After you. Um, and you might not be able to see this, but that's just a description. Most people agree on what those kingdoms are. Uh, Babylon at the top. Persia. And so Cyrus. And Greece. And then Rome. And then, of course, we know Rome was the uh, governing, you know, uh, what's the word, kingdom or empire. Um, when, when Jesus came. When Jesus came onto the scene. And he, he turned up, and it was his kingdom that, that was being announced. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. So this is, um, this is the dream. This is its interpretation. And it's all given to Nebuchadnezzar. And we'll see in a moment just how he reacts to that. But he's being told, basically, this is the future. You might want to ignore this you you might want to just completely ignore this whole day but but this is the future Nebuchadnezzar this is what is going to happen it's a dream but it will come true
The meaning is that after Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom of Babylon would come one less strong, and after that one less strong still, and after that the one that is mixed, the weakest of all. The rock that flies down the mountain and crashes in, bringing them to destruction and takes their place, is that of the son of man, Jesus. So the God who reveals mysteries actually rules all of human history, and he's the one who gets to decide, as we've been talking about in Daniel, which king comes next who has the kingdom of man and he's going to give it to the kingdom of his he's going to give it to his son so the second thing we see from the dream is um, that jesus's final kingdom will replace them and last forever we, we, we might like to think that god is sort of reactive that means he's sort of seeing what's going to happen take place in his in his in the world that he's created and he's like oh okay oh didn't expect that okay i've got to do this now He's not reactive. He gets to decide these things. And he has decided who is going to rule forever. That is what's going to happen. And it's pretty humbling, actually. It should be uh, for a man like Nebuchadnezzar and for people like us. In the end, Jesus is going to be the king. His rule is going to endure. And it's going to be the only thing, the only one who's in charge, the only one who gets to decide what happens. Um, so, what, what should this mean for us? Well, we talked at the start, didn't we, that you know, we might like to think lots of things. We might like to have a few... Uh, so we have ideas about the future. But maybe we think we can't know anything much at all. What does this mean for us? Well, it is a dream that will come true. And so what that means for us is that being part of Jesus' kingdom matters more than anything else. We can see that, can't we? Because if Jesus' kingdom is going to be the thing that is left, the thing that replaces all other things, that comes in its fullness, then being part of Jesus' kingdom matters more than anything else. More than what people think of us. More than what we achieve in our lives. Being part of Jesus' kingdom matters more than all of those things. Um, Let's have a look at Nebuchadnezzar's response, um, because I think it's intriguing. Um, He says um, in verse 46, and I want you to decide, is Nebuchadnezzar converted? Okay. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is a God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. And the king gave Daniel high honours and many great gifts and made him ruler over the province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. We hear King Nebuchadnezzar saying, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries. What do you think? What do you think? Do you think he's... What do you reckon? Let's just do a straw poll, okay? Hands up if you think Nebuchadnezzar is is someone who is trusted in this God. Okay, but here now, 
at this moment. Okay, hands up, all the way up. Okay, hands down. Um, how do you think he hasn't? Hands up. Okay. Well, I'll leave you to, to decide. Um, he says something that is true about God. Um, but his, is his heart really changed by that truth? And really, his actions are really the only thing that will tell you whether or not he has changed. Yeah? So, um, just flag up, in the very next cha- chapter, Nebuchadnezzar is going to do what? He's going to raise up a massive statue of himself. And say, all people must bow down and worship this. And so, although Nebuchadnezzar says something true about God, I think it yet has, it's yet to really sink to his heart. And for him to personally believe and to trust and to respond to what is being said here. That's just my feeling anyway. But um, he says something true about God. He knows something. He can give the right answer about the Bible, even. Um, and I, I'll read to you this quote. Because I think it's helpful. Because we don't want to be people who just hear and don't respond. And I think it can be deceiving sometimes to sort of have the right answers. Let me read to you this. Nebuchadnezzar could have taken this opportunity, the opportunity of the dream and its interpretation. He could have taken its opportunity to acknowledge what the vision revealed, that his kingship was a gift from the God of heaven, that his own kingdom was a passing episode, that he simply belonged to a chaff regime. This could have been the beginning of repentance, but instead he asked no questions either about the future or about Daniel's great God relieved that he was the head of gold and that his demise was further down the track he concerned himself with the present and with the man who had met his need and I think that shows us a few things it does say that he offered up an offering to Daniel to him um, in verse um, 46 and then he goes back to Daniel and he gives him great gifts showers him with all of this attention and you know, all, all that he has. And he concerns himself with the here and now. And that's one of the things that we could do, hearing about God's future, is say, well, that's a long way off. It's not going to happen now. Don't need to think about that now. I'm just going to concern myself with the here and now. With getting on with things, with enjoying my life, going away and not responding to it. Um, Jesus tells a parable. He says, um, the, 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 king, the kingdom of heaven is like uh, a banquet. And the invitation goes out and people come, to, come back saying, oh, you know, I've, I've got a few things to do, actually. I've got to get married. I've got to sell this piece of land or do these other things. And it's the same thing. We can hear this and we can say, I don't, I don't need this now. It's not important now. There's something else that's more important. And so I just raise that as a kind of something for you to go away and think about. We don't want to be the people who are saying, yes, yes. The future has been spoken here. This is the dream that will come true. But what will your response to it be? Will you ask questions of the God of Daniel? Will you inquire after him? Or will you go away unchanged? Or you go back to what you were doing before. Well, if you're a Christian, 
it's interesting, isn't it, that Daniel's response to God revealing a mystery, revealing this um, dream to him, is praise. Is to praise God. That's what he does in verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. I think the difference between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar is that Daniel goes to God with his response. He's heard the mystery revealed. He's been given understanding that he didn't have, that he couldn't have possibly had himself. And he goes to God and he talks to God about it. And really, I think this is true of every time we hear the Bible as Christians. We don't just sort of listen and it ends there. For those whom the Spirit is at work in, they want to talk back to God about the things that they're hearing and saying, we love this about you, O God. We want to tell you about these things that you have revealed to us. We want to talk to you about these things and praise you for these things. And then he doesn't stop there because he goes and talks to some other people about it as well. (laughs) He goes and talks to possibly the hardest person you could ever imagine to evangelize, doesn't he? He goes to Nebuchadnezzar. Can you imagine Going to someone who flies off the handle as much as that. And wanting to reveal to him the future. Tell him about these things. I think that is the response when God's word is revealed to us. When the, when the truth of the gospel, the mystery of Christ is revealed to us. It's so that we might go and reveal that mystery to other people. And maybe we need to talk to God about that because... For the most part, we look at the Bible, we understand what it says, but we don't have a desire to do either of those things. And it would be good for us to talk to him about that. Um, I love the words of the lady who was talking with Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher, had a really big voice, I think. I think that's what he's remembered for. But she was talking to him about you know, whether or not she was going to become a Christian. And she said, uh, I think or older in years, she said, If God were to save me, he'd never hear the end of it. If God were to save me, he'd never hear the end of it. Isn't that wonderful? For those who have received this wonderful future, a stark contrast to the the emptiness, the meaninglessness, the hopelessness that we talked about at the start. What's the result? Well, we we won't stop banging on about it. Because it's amazing. And God is amazing. And he is, he is amazing. And we just want to talk, we just want to praise him and say, you are like this. You've done this for us. And so we, we speak of the future because it matters. And because it will fill the emptiness that all of the people around us are, are feeling. And you might disagree with me here, but because everyone looks like they're enjoying life, right? Everyone looks like they're perfectly happy. And I'm not saying they're not enjoying life. But behind that enjoyment is an emptiness. 
Because the emptiness is, what is this all about? How can you put one foot in front of the other when you don't know where you're going? How can you get out of bed in the morning where you just don't know where this is all going to go? And as Christians, we can't just sit there thinking, oh, you know, I feel a bit sheepish, I don't really want to say anything. Because they, they are empty and we want to hold out the truth. There is a future. It matters. This is what God has told us about the future. It matters that you're part of Jesus' kingdom. And he will give us the strength to do that. He'll give us the, the words to do that. But why don't we pray that we would do that as we speak to other people so that as a response to Daniel 2, we praise God in the moment for who he is. And as a response, we don't stop the, the conversation going towards him. We continue the conversation going out to those around us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you reveal the future. Thank you that that future is something that you have decided. Thank you that in your goodness and your kindness, you're bringing a kingdom that will replace all other human kingdoms. And you're You've appointed your son as king. The one who is willing to die on the cross for us. To give his life that we may be forgiven. Thank you that there's no one better to rule us. And thank you for the joy of that new life we have now. uh, Living, not fumbling around in the dark. Not without any certainty or hope but with a clear future, a clear hope. Please help us to speak of that to others. Please give us the words uh, that would help them to understand that. We'll put it in their own uh, language. Pray use us this week to reveal that great mystery so that more people would come to know you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.